Welcome to Oh No Not Them. I'm your host, Eric Stroll. Along with me, as always, is my cohort, my co-host, my compatriot, my co-conspirator, and the guy who should have been my color commentator, Bill Soltz. Happy Monday, everybody. Well, <laughs> I put it out on Facebook that we were going to do a watch-along of the 1992 Royal Rumble today. We started it, but... I need a better laptop that can multitask better than what I what what I'm using right yeah, now. Yeah, you like to make fun of my phone, but your laptop is a whole field of potatoes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, basically, my WWE network bogged down and shit the bed because I was trying to run that and our da- and our recording program at the same time. So, this is a total one hundred percent seat of our pants episode. Yep, I think it was because. The greatness of Flair was on the screen. Yes, along with the great Davy Boy Smith. Eh. Ah, Davy Boy was great. I don't care what you say. Yeah, I, I know that. That we've always established you don't care what I say. Well, your opinion is <laughs> like usually wrong. But uh as you were yeah, well, Bill said during the limited amount of recording we got done watching the Royal Rumble, he didn't remember who won it. Nope, I have I have no idea. I couldn't tell you who won any Royal Rumble probably ever. Well, I'll tell you who won the 92 Rumble. No, don't spoil it. Why? You don't have the network. Are we going to do it next or are we going to do the 92 Rumble next week? Oh, okay, spoil it then. Cuz I, I know I know you want to do two Rumbles. Yeah, I was going to do 98 right. next week. Was next. it was it Virgil? It was not Virgil. Was it the Berserker? Hus hus. No, it wasn't the Berserker. All right. Was it was it Flair? It was Ric Flair. Enters that, at num- that makes me happy. It entered, entering at number three, lasting over an hour in the match, and last, in, last eliminating Sid Justice to win the WWF Championship. Wait, wasn't Hogan and Undertaker and Macho Man in this too? Uh, Sid Justice, uh, Sid, I, it's so weird to call him Sid Justice. It's Sid Vicious. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I, of all the Sid, pe- of all the people to be like the second last. Well, the final three were Hogan, Flair, and Ju- and Sid. Okay. Um, Sid, who was a babyface at the time, eliminates Hogan. Okay. And then he stands there and says, "It's every man for himself, big man." After he eliminates Hogan, so Hogan extends the hand to shake his hand. Hogan uh, and Sid sh- are like are shaking hands, and then Hogan's pulling him out, and Flair comes up, dumps him. Oh, that's a terrible ending. But it was used to set up. I know, but it sounds like Hogan's a heel. At that time, he well, was. See, now here's the thing: Hogan always did work like a heel. He always did heel his shit, but still got cheered. You know? Yeah. Hogan always, you know, Hogan always did really heely stuff, but. The average fan cheered him. I never cheered him. I hated Hogan. I, I, I was a I was a Hogan fan. I mean, it was like that was. Did you train? Say your prayers and eat your vitamins. No, and no, and no. But well, were you a little hunk, Hulkamaniac? Well, not really. But it's like you, you know, he was the champion. And even though I still always love guys like Piper and the Berserker was one of my favorites. Although he's like a hidden gem. Oh, John, uh, John Nord. But um, but Hogan was like the, the champion, the face of. Right, he was the face of the. Uh, but this is also when, you know, Vince was going down that whole rock and wrestling. Um, let's market to kids, ice cream bars. And- yeah. But still, you had Hogan. Hogan was, I think, the bad guy in Rocky. 
One of them. Yep. Rocky Three was Thunderlips, the ultimate male. Yep. And then he was um, in No Holds Barred as, oh, God. I, I can't remember his name. Rip. Rip. Yeah, because I made all the characters in No Mercy of his movies. Because it was just, it was fun to do. Right. He was he was Rip. And then uh, you had uh, Tiny Lister, <laughs> oh. who, who just passed away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible angle. Oh, it's a horrible movie. Horrible movie. And then Vince doubled down on it. <laughs> I remember. By having uh, No Holds Barred, the match, the movie. And they, <laughs> they had to have, uh, it was Hogan and Beefcake mm. against uh, against Zeus and Macho Man Savage. Yeah. Now, do you remember the boss man's rival Nails? Yes. Was he in the same time as Zeus? I do don't remember the exact okay, time because I think but Zeus and Nails would have made a good, a really good uh, team. Well, if if Tiny Lister could have worked, maybe. But then again, uh, Kevin Wachholz, the guy who was Nails, yeah. he couldn't work either. Yeah. Do you know the story of his firing? I I've have heard it on different wrestling channels yeah. over over like all the different things. I know that everything just like. These guys, some of these guys get fired in the most wonderful ways. Well, I mean, when you grab your boss by the throat, yeah. it's kind of career suicide. Yeah, for the most part, except some people can get away with it. <laughs> well, after he got fired, or, or you know what, it might have been before he went to WWF. I don't know. The, I, don't, I don't know the exact time frame, but Ric Flair at the time was booking for WCW. Okay. Okay, Flair had the book down in WCW, and... He had wrestled as Kevin Kelly in the AWA. His nails. Yeah. Right? He had wrestled as Kevin Kelly in the AWA. And uh, he had done a tryout match with WCW. And it was kind of a don't call us, we'll call you okay. type deal. So he goes back to Vern and quits. He goes back to the AWA and I guess gives his notice. Right? All right. So he calls Flair. He says, all right, what am I coming in? And Flair said... What are you talking about? You're not coming in. Well, we don't have anything for you. I, 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 you know, I got a roster full of guys. And Kevin, Kevin Kelly says to Ric Flair, well, I need a fucking job. Fire one of them. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's unabashed balls right there. Yeah. Well, some, like I said, I, I know, I know a lot of guys that when they get to like the WWE, WWC, you know, WCW level, there was a lot of guys that had overinflated ego about themselves. Oh yeah, and it was a lot more of who you know, and stuff like that. I mean, there were. I mean, sometimes you watch these matches, and it's like, how how did you even get this far? Lonely Virgil. See, that's you know the. I think Virgil could have worked in some aspects as 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 a talent, possibly as the character Virgil. No, yeah, you know, I think I think guys like I mean. I'm going to say right away, I mean, guys like, and I'm not going to say ruined it. That's the, not the right word for it. But, I mean, guys like Dusty Rhodes, guys like Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Roddy Piper. I mean, they really, their game was so high in the ring and on the mic that if you didn't have both of those things, it didn't, it didn't matter. You well, could be a great worker, but if you couldn't talk... Nobody cared. Well, I mean, that's the, the the perfect case of that is Brad is a guy named Brad Armstrong. Okay, it's the Road Dog's brother. Yeah. Okay, one of the most famous wrestling families of all time, the Armstrongs. Okay, um, their father, Bullet Bob Armstrong, mm -hmm. 
was an absolute legend in Southern Southern wrestling. Bullet Bob Armstrong. Um, and he was the total package. He had the promo. He had the the body. He had the work. He had that baby face fire. He was, you know, he was a perfect Southern baby face. Yeah. Okay. And then all of his sons went on to become wrestlers. Of course, you got Brad Armstrong, who I just mentioned. You got the road dog, Jesse James, is his youngest son. And then there's Scott Armstrong, who's a referee for W uh, for WCW. Or for WWE, rather. Shit. WCW. Uh, who's a referee for WWE. And Steve Armstrong, who also was in the business. They all got different parts of the bullet, okay? Right. Road Dog got the promo. Oh, yeah. Road Dog got the promo and, you know, the the charisma. Because, let's face it, Road Dog got charisma for days, but he's not the best worker. No, when they, when they, I think and when they give the pump handle slam as your finisher, anybody... Who has the pump handle slam as a finisher? I hate that as a finisher. Unless you're six eight, I still don't like it as a finisher. No matter who gets it, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give it to you. But if you're a dude that's if you're a dude six eight seven foot, you, you could do something with a pump handle slam. Yeah, I still like I said, I still think it's one of those moves as a as a finisher as a move. It's great, right? As a finisher, not so much. I hate it, right? And I always felt that they give it to the guys. You know that are on the cusp of like they they are really good, but they're out there. And I still see it in some of the programming now. Yeah, and it's like ah, oh, it's a pump handle slam. Um, but anyway, back to Brad Armstrong. Yeah, Brad was the best worker of the bunch. Um, back in the day, uh, late eighties, early nineties, Jim Crockett Promotions, WCW. You ask anybody that was there, and like, cause like some of the podcasts I listen to is all about Southern wrestling and things like that. Uh, and the Jim Cornette experience, they'll tell you the best worker that they had at the time was Brad Armstrong. And if you watch him and you know a little bit of what to look for, you could see he's so smooth and so polished and everything is there. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's never in the wrong place. Everything is just absolutely spot on with Brad, but he didn't have the promo. Yeah, that's, and like I said, I think a lot of those, a lot of guys... You know, if you didn't have both, you were relegated to mid-card or nothing. Yep, you you were either jobbing or you were a mid-card guy. You know? That is a byproduct of pro wrestling becoming sports entertainment. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, work became secondary. Yep, that's... I mean, it kind of makes you wonder. I mean, when you see, like, the really old matches from the 50s, it Uh was almost like pure wrestling. Yes. That was kind of it. But then somewhere... Along the line, someone decided to just start running their mouth. Gorgeous George. You know, and it just evolved from there. Like, oh, now we got to talk. You know, and Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, he he was a big fella. Yep. Yeah, see, now he's 200, yeah. 282 pounds, a twisted deal, and a sex appeal, baby. Yeah, so I mean, by all rights, he should not have been a superstar by the way he looked. But he, but he had the mic skills. And I think he could make people look good in that ring. Well, Dusty could make anybody look good. Yeah. Okay? Because the thing with Dusty is Dusty had the promo. Okay? Dusty had charisma for days. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that he that WWE brought him in specifically to teach promo school. Yep. Okay? Um, when, when they first started the NXT program, the developmental program, one day a week, 
was promo class. And it was tr- it was taught by the dream. Okay? Um, it was taught by Dusty. Because Dusty was is to this day one of the best promos ever in oh. the business. He could talk you into that seat. If you if you doubt anything I'm saying, if you doubt anything I'm saying to you, get on YouTube and look up Dusty Rhodes Hard Times promo. That's one of them, yep. The Hard Times promo is my favorite Dusty promo of all time. You bought it. Hook, line, and sinker, you bought it. You bought the fact that he wanted to beat Ric Flair's ass. He wanted retribution because he put hard times on the American people. And put hard times on the dream. Uh, and Ric Flair was another one. Flair. I mean, I mean awesome promos. Yes. I mean, it was almost all promos because you see some of his matches. Sometimes he's a little sloppy. Yeah, yeah. But you, but you know what? He makes things work. Yeah, I mean, Flair has Flair had his his signature spots he did in every match. Yeah, Flair had his stuff he pulled out in every match, but it worked for him. Okay, it worked for him. But when you put a microphone in that man's hands, there was going to be magic. Oh yeah, and the best part about Ric Flair's promos, especially during the Horseman era was it was true. If he told you that they were going to be at the Marriott that night, you could bet your bottom dollar. If you went to the Marriott Hotel Bar, you were going to find the horseman. Yep. Yeah, that and that that whole um that group was just and he was a big talker of them all. They didn't need anybody else. Well, the thing is, the, and this is this is one thing that always amazed me about the horseman. And I'm a huge four horseman fan. You had four really good talkers most of the time in the group. Like the initial group, you had Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Ole Anderson. All four of them are great talkers. You didn't need J.J. Dillon. Nope. But J.J. was still there. Luger wasn't even a bad promo when they brought Lex in. But they still had J.J. Barry Windham, great promo. But J.J. was still there. And you bought J.J. as the guy who was handling the outside-the-ring stuff. You bought it. Okay, J.J.'s the guy that makes sure they're where they need to be while these guys go out and get it done in the ring and then go party. Yep. That's what the, That was the genius of J.J. Dillon. And that was the genius of the booking of the Four Horsemen. Yeah, that was, that was I think, one of the original... Probably one of the original super stables. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, you had, uh, I mean, if you go back and I'm, I'm going to show my wrestle, my inner wrestling <laughs> geek here for a while. But if you go back to uh, old world class championship wrestling, um, you always had General Skandor Akbar had his stable to go against the Von Erich family. You had Devastation Incorporated. Mm. When you had guys like the One Man Gang, and he'd bring in Abdullah the Butcher, and you know all the other guys that uh, would be with General Akbar, you had Gary Hart, and he would have his stable. He'd have guys like the great, the great Kabuki, coming in, and Bruiser Brody, and, and you know it was always the Von Erich boys against the super stables that the heel managers would put together. There was never really a super stable in WWF, though, that I can recall. No. 
Are you, you not Degeneration X? Until DX. Yeah. Nation of Domination. Then well, I wouldn't call Nation of Domination a super state. The oddities. The job squad. It was it was the era of of oh. Yes. Everybody everybody had to be in a faction at that point. Oh, but it was it was such it was such fun times though. Uh Los Periquas, the DOA. Oh my oh yeah. They, they, it was it was such fun times. Everybody there was so much fact but I mean I think I don't know, maybe the NWO started that. No, the NWO uh I don't remember they no, maybe they didn't because I know that that uh, Degeneration X was before NWO. Right. DX was the was pre NWO. Yeah. But to be fair, Triple H hadn't really become a top guy when DX started. Oh no, no. He was he was still just like you know upper mid card. Yeah, just bathing in Shawn Michaels light. Yeah, pretty much. You know, but but yeah, I loved I loved the every the stables and there were so many of them. Yeah. They were just everybody had to be in one of them. Uh, well, you uh, some got silly later on. Uh like the Mexicals. The Mexicals were awesome. I mean, come on. No, I think the Oddies might have been one of the worst. Yeah. Only because I mean, it was people that like Gungan and uh, Earthquake. Yeah, I mean, it was John Tant under. Yeah. It was Earthquake under a um, mask. And uh, Luna Vachon. But they would just, they came to the ring under uh, ICP. Yep, Freak Show by ICP. Yeah, and it was just, they were all just there to have fun. Every once in a while, you'd have some members of Stern's Whack Pack with them. Yeah, it was just, but it was like these, uh, but I mean, I think Gilberg was in that, wasn't he? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember, but you had Kurgan. Yeah. Uh, Kurgan. Who was before that one of I think Corporal Kirshner's guys? No, it wasn't Corporal Kirshner. It was uh, it was Don Callis. Okay, I know it was it was it was, it was, it was he, Don Callis, the Jackal. Yeah, but I know it was a military thing. Yep, uh, it was the uh, they were called the Truth Commission. Yeah, which again, I mean, there were some great ideas back then. I don't know what happened to some of these. I think there was too many in the pot. Well, the thing the thing with like the Truth Commission is uh, Don Callis was. Uh, and still is a great talker, okay, and a really good worker, really underrated worker. His stuff in ECW as Cyrus the Virus was fantastic, mm-hmm. but um, they gave him they gave him job guys to try and do a stable with. It could work I, I, if he would have had some at least upper mid card talent. The Truth Commission could have worked. I mean, like I said, I think, I honestly think, and I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with this one, but I really think most of the Nation of Domination were job guys. They, oh, well, they started as job guys. Yeah. They and, got Then they got, as they got away from the nation, when um, the Godfather came about. Right. You know, well, now that's a good character. And then you got Farouk going with the APA. D'Lo was just D'Lo. Well, the thing... It, and well, Mark, go ahead, and, finish. Yeah, and Mark Henry, I mean, he, he was almost like a one-gimmick guy all of his anyway. He's just the world's strongest man. That was the end of it. But, I mean, like I said, it was like none, none of those guys, in my opinion, were, you know, were good until The Rock kind of came up on his own. Well, the whole thing with The Rock and The Nation, okay? The Rock, they had The Rock join The Nation because they had to turn him heel. For, you know, because they tried to do the white meat baby face thing with <laughs> yeah. The Rock. And it fell flat. It fell flat. It fell flatter than a plate of piss. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, when, when the guy that 
you're trying to make your white meat baby face has a crowd chanting die Rocky die at him. Okay. It's not a good sign. Yeah. And when they turned him heel, it allowed his natural charisma to come out. Okay. And he started to quote unquote overshadow Farouk. Cause we overshadowed everybody. Well, yeah, I mean he did, but I I'm mean, talking storyline. Uh, yeah, he was overshadowing Farouk, and that's how the split in the nation came on. Now, the Godfather at the well at the time he was he was uh, Kama Mustafa. That's when he was, right. I was trying to remember the name. I know he, he was like the bodyguard. Yep, he was Kama Mustafa. Before that, he was Kama the Supreme Fighting Machine. It was an MMA gimmick, and then before that, he was Papa Shango. Yep, I remember that. Okay. Still, another great character, which people don't seem to like. Eh, gimmick character. They were all that back then. He was the witch yes. doctor turned wrestler. Yes. Going after the race car driver turned wrestler. Going after the dentist turned wrestler. Right. <laughs> it was a gimmick on a gimmick on a gimmick. Yeah. But they finally hit on Charles Charles Wright. The, yep. The Godfather finally hit on something with the Godfather character. And you know why it hit? Do you know what Charles White... Uh, I was going to say because, because you know what, the, the uh, wrestling fans are perverts. No. <laughs> Do you know what he did no. before he was in the wrestling business? He wasn't a pimp. No, was he, he wasn't no. a pimp. All right. But, and what he does to this day. He manages a strip club in Vegas. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. That's what Charles Wright does. He's, he, he legit manages a strip club. And the thing is, he hates pimps. <laughs> he hates them. Um, the Vice TV does a series called Dark Side of the Ring. Okay. Yeah. And they did an episode on the Brawl for All. And one mm. of the one of the contestants in the Brawl for All was the Godfather. So they go out to Vegas and they're talking to him and he tells a story about open hand slapping pimps and knocking them cold. With an open hand slap. Okay, so yeah, he's not a fan of pimps. He would walk into his club. And say, all right, if there's any pimps in my bar, you better get get your ass out of here I'm gonna, or I'm going to beat your ass. They wouldn't leave. They got their asses kicked. Mark Henry legitimately at one point was the world's strongest. Yeah, man. I know. He was a world, you know. He's a world-class power lifter. Mm-hmm. Did the basic big man stuff. I, I, I like Mark Henry. I liked Mark Henry as a wrestler. Then you had D'Lo Brown. D'Lo is the guy in the nation I felt the worst for. Because D'Lo was... Uh, he broke into the business in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, okay, with Jim Corn- uh, for Jim Cornette. And, like, his first real shot was he was with the gangsters, mm. with New Jack and Mustafa, okay? They put D'Lo with the gangsters because Jack was the promo... Okay, New Jack was the promo. Right. Mustafa had the look. And Mustafa's legitimately crazy. But so is New Jack. Okay. Mustafa just looks like, you know, he's he's huge. He looks like a just look just looks like a badass. And now you have D Lo Brown. D Lo was your bump guy. Mm. D Lo's the guy that you can bump around and get heat on and you can beat. And not take any heat off the gangsters. Okay. That was what D'Lo... That was D'Lo's first real shot in the wrestling business. And then, of course, through the Jim Cornette connection, he gets the break with WWE. And they put him in the Nation of Domination. 
And, uh, you know, D'Lo had, had some runs with the Intercontinental title and the European title. Oh, he had a lot of runs, but I always just felt him as, as like, seriously, I always felt him as like a mid-card guy. Well, he always was a mid-card guy, and he may not have gotten past the mid-card, but what derailed his career was uh, the unfortunate accident where he was in the ring with Draws and broke and uh, Draws broke his neck. Yeah. I don't want to say D'Lo broke Draws's neck because it was just one of those freak things that yeah. happens. You know, power bomb gone wrong and you know paralyzed Darren Drozdov. Mm-hmm. And D'Lo was never really the same after that. No. I don't remember. Did he do promos after that? Like almost. I I know that some people, like I know that some people did promos after that. Like after there's like an injury in a ring that uh, they like or that person. No, they never. Like, they never did anything. They never did anything to quote unquote right. capitalize on Draz's injury because they knew Draz yeah. was never going to wrestle again. Well, I know when like when Scott Steiner I think was in the ring when um, Sid Vicious broke his leg. And wasn't caused. It didn't cause it. Next thing you know, they did a whole thing where Steiner was going around breaking people's legs. Yeah, well, so that I, w- I didn't know if they did that with D'Lo. Well, bro, that was Vince Russo, bro. Yeah, I well, <laughs> that was also that was also Vince Russo booking. Um, you know, let's hot shot everything, um, and it was Scott Steiner, and Scott Steiner doesn't have any lines. There's no line. No, <laughs> Scott Steiner won't cross. Now D'Lo. Was, you know, he was really, really messed up after mm. Draws got hurt. And and, and and I'm not saying not saying rightfully so, but rightfully so. You know what I mean? Yeah, something like that happens. I mean, yeah. there's been so few incidents like that in the ring. Well, and the thing is, the rule number one, and anybody anybody that's in the business will tell you, you walk out of the ring in the same condition you walked in in. You know, the last thing you want to do is hurt your opponent. Yeah. You're trusting you're trusting that guy with your body and he's trusting you with his. Right. You know, you work together and make it look good. You know, make it look like you're beating the shit out of each other without really beating the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that, that that's why the, I think it would have been even wrestling fans who notoriously have bad taste would have said that that was in bad taste if they would have capitalized on draws getting hurt yeah some but i've seen some stuff from that czw well combat and, zone. and good lord some of the these fluorescent bulb matches that's just stupid it's just i mean i can't believe sometimes you know how do you gimmick a fluorescent light tube they, I, they don't they just exactly it, just i saw i saw one recently and i know this is way off time i was like they I don't watch them, but I watched them as like, there's a, a great, a, a, one of my favorite show called Botchamania. That's sometimes where I see some wrestling. And uh, they had one where the referee botched one of those matches. Okay. It was going way too long. Both wrestlers were just cut up profusely. There was stuff all over the ring. And the it's like this match needed to end. Yeah. You know, and the referee gets down. And he counts one, two, three. He counted three. Okay. And went to end the match. And then he got he got up, noticed the guy's leg is on the ropes, and it's like, no, no, we're going to continue. Jesus Christ, what do you mean continue? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I mean, <laughs> and I, I, I put the blame for stuff like that not only on 
the wrestlers for agreeing to do it or having the idea to do it, but also on the promoters for saying, okay, go ahead. Oh, yeah, it's... There's a line. There's a line that's got to be drawn somewhere. And you could thank Paul Heyman for pushing that line back as far as it's been pushed. Yeah, but yeah, every, I think I think everybody at some point was responsible. I mean, when mankind would come into you know with the thumbtacks everywhere, mankind didn't do the thumbtacks very often though. He, he did barbed wire bats, him and Funk and all that. Well, that was also that was in yeah. ECW. It started it started in ECW, but then it I don't know. And like I said, I watched WCW a lot at the time. I don't know how much. Uh, they, I can't. I can't imagine Hogan getting involved. No, in anything like that. No, no. Hogan never did anything like that. Hogan never did anything like that. But like the barbed wire baseball bat and stuff, that was in WWE world. When Mick Foley would bring that out, it was special occasion. Mm. Okay, it wasn't like ECW where they did that Night, all yeah, the time nightly. Yeah, uh, and and. I, I don't know, man. Uh, this goes back to our conversation we had a few weeks ago. How do you pull this back? Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, like I said, I have. I don't think you need the ultra violence in wrestling. I would rather see people not get hurt. I agree. I agree. I mean, and if you're gonna do a a ultra violent match, like a war games match or the elimination chamber match. I actually can't really count Elimination Chamber in there because they use that as, you know, six guys locked in the cage to get the title off. Yeah. But uh, a War Games match or Hell in a Cell or something like that, you know, that's got to be the blow-off match. That's got to be the match that ends the damn feud. Yeah. Okay. Not have a pay-per-view built around Hell in a Cell. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think Hell in a Cell, it's weird how they how they kind of build that anymore. It's like, it's not really, it's just a cage around the match. Yeah. It's it's not like so terrible anymore. I mean. Well, they, they can't do the insane. Nobody wants to do, wants to do the insane bumps. Yeah, although they still do it. I mean, you still have those TLC matches. Well, I, I I mean I'm talking the 20 foot bump off the top of the cage because yeah. like this year at the at the Hell in a Cell pay per view the big bump was Drew McIntyre went from about the halfway point of the cage to the announce table. Yeah, nobody's flying off the top of that some bitch anymore because Mick is retired. Okay, Mick Foley's retired and Shane McMahon ain't doing it no yeah. more. And Shane's the only other crazy son of a bitch that was do that would do it. Yeah, I'd be happy, and I mean, I know I might be in the minority, maybe not, but I mean, I I'd be happy if they they never had to do gimmick matches like that again. I wouldn't care. I would I would not I would not care if they didn't do them because I really do just enjoy your standard wrestling in a ring. I do too, but there there is a place for gimmick matches, and like I said, it's got to be something to blow off the feud. Okay, we've we've tried. We've tried regular wrestling matches. We've tried no disqualification. We've tried lumberjack matches. We've tried this, that, the other thing. Now we need to put this in a cage. Mm. You know, that's what a cage match was originally meant yeah. to do. You know, I get it. Uh, and I, that's where the gimmick match should be. 
in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I, I like I said, I the tables, ladders, and chairs ones. I, I've, I've never enjoyed those. Only because there's just way too much stuff around. It's a car crash, and way, yeah, way too much can go wrong. It, it, it's a car crash. Yeah, I mean, I, I will give you this: WWE has done everything that they can do to make them as safe as they can make them, to the point where they're actually marking which ladders are gimmicked. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, that's like I said. I, I just. I guess it's because like of my love of indie wrestling. Yeah. You don't you don't see people going through tables at indie shows a no. lot. No. But well that plus indie shows don't have the budget for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and it's like it's like your most you know, purest form of wrestling. Right. And it it's just they they are able to get out there and do their thing as best they can. Right. Uh, they rely more, and this is another issue. This is, but this is an issue I have within with some indie wrestling. They don't have the get, the budget to do the gimmick matches, you know, to go through fifty tables, which they shouldn't be doing in the first place. No. But then they rely on everybody doing a million high spots. Yeah, and nobody's selling it. Yep, that's my problem with modern. That's my biggest problem with modern wrestling. Mm-hmm. Is it it's it's all about the spots. It's not about telling a story. No. And you you I think you you got to have those guys that are just the brawlers, right? The ones that just want to like you know they're like barroom brawlers. They just want getting there. They're not going to do the high spots. They're going to beat your ass. You know. Yeah, I've like I said. Yeah, most of the guys that I I really did enjoy were not the high spot guys. Although, like I said, I I watched the New Japan stuff, and boy, people got, you know, oh yeah, they you know they definitely I you know those guys exist uh, for the guys in the back row to get their money's worth on the show. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're phenomenal. What they it's phenomenal what they can do. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, this is gonna get me heat with Andy, I think, because uh, Andy's an AEW fan. Um. The current AEW champion is a guy by the name of Kenny Omega. Okay. Okay. Kenny Omega made his name over in New Japan Pro yep. Wrestling. Okay. And he was he's been called the best bout machine because he's had all the best matches the last few years while he was in New Japan. Sorry, Andy, but I gotta go here. <laughs> Those matches would not have been at, been what they were were it not for Kenny Omega's op- opponent. Kenny Omega didn't carry those matches. Kazuchika Okada did. Okada is the best bout machine. Mm-hmm. Not Twinkle Toes McFingerbang. <laughs> Apologies well, like to Jim said, Cornette. Like I said, it always it always takes two to make a decent match, or however many guys are in there. Everybody has to know what's going on. I mean... Yeah, but it, it, it also comes down to a, to styles. Yeah, it also comes down to styles. You can't have a guy like Kenny Omega, who is admittedly a great athlete. Okay, can't sell for shit, can't throw a decent punch to save his life, but he's a good athlete. But you can't have a, a spot monkey. Yeah, in in the ring with a guy like a Bruiser Brody. Yeah, or or even an Undertaker. Okay, because 
if, if some guy's trying to fly fly around the ring doing stuff like that to the Undertaker, you think that's gonna fly? Well, didn't uh, Rey Mysterio take on Big Show? But they did it right. Yeah. It was a it was a classic big man little man match. Ray hit and run. Ray would hit and run, hit and run, hit and run, and then show would catch him. Which is the way you have to do something like that, you know. It, 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 but like I said though, the pla- the place it would fall flat is Omega doesn't know how to sell hmm. and doesn't know how to work. He does. He does his Kenny Omega stuff, and it's really good for what it is. But, uh, I, 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 sorry, dog, is a little pitchy for me. No. Well, I said, uh, before everything, Andy had actually turned me on to the NWA stuff. Right. Right right before everything, you know, they had to stop doing something. And, man, I was enjoying Yes. A lot of that stuff. I loved NWA Power. Yeah, because it was like there there was no gimmick matches. It was it was it was studio wrestling. Yeah, and it was wonderful. I mean, I got I was a big fan of the question mark. And um He knows and, karate. And, karate. That's right. And um what's his name? Steven uh, I'm blanking on the Aaron name. Stevens. Aaron Stevens, that's it. His oh the gimmick he did with that. You know, don't look in the eye. Don't look in the eye. No eye contact. Yes. I absolutely loved it. For those of you who have never watched oh. NWA Power, but you're familiar with old, with a little bit older WWE, Aaron Stevens was Damian Sandow yes. in WWE. And and I, again, that the the whole I always loved the guys that did the I'm smarter than you gimmick. Yes. Ric Flair did it. Damian Sandow. Perfect. Uh, perfect. Um, the genius tri- Triple H Triple H Yeah You know who I was really a big fan of In the NWA power hmm. R- uh, He's now wrestling for AEW Absolute Ricky Starks I did not like Ricky Starks I love Ricky Starks Yeah I, I was not a fan of Ricky Starks I don't know what it was uh, About him I, I just was not a fan of. I did see that he is doing other stuff now um, But yeah I was just So not a fan of his yeah, he's part of Team Taz in AEW. Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't know. There was just something about the character. Just he's an arrogant prick. Yeah, yeah. Well, that come well, on. I, <laughs> I know. I just hey, I can have my likes and dislikes. Oh, absolutely. But I, I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Ricky Starks. I like that guy. Yeah, there was a there was a really uh, that has a good roster, and then uh, of course that Thunderosa came in. Oh God! Right, right Thun- near the end. Oh. Uh, Thunder Rosa is one of the best female wrestlers yeah. in the business. And she came in, and the women's division in NWA wasn't the best. Oh, it was trash. Yeah. And she came in and just was started slapping everyone around. Oh, yeah. Which was awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would cringe the first couple of weeks of NWA Power. Anytime they had a women's match on, I'd cringe. I, that would be like my sandwich break. Yeah, they were they were not that good. They, I mean, I mean, I'm not even, and I'm not gonna make any excuses for them either. So you're in that business, you know, you do what you do, right? You know, when we we've all seen, you know, women wrestlers. Yeah, and you know there are good ones, and there are ones that just don't belong. Right. Just like male wrestlers. Right. In a sex thing, you belong or you do not. Right. You can either do it or you can't. Yeah. And if and. This is this falls on uh, 
Dave Lagana and Billy Corrigan. You know, who Billy Corrigan was the money behind the NWA. Yeah. Dave Lagana was supposedly the brains. That's another debate. Yeah. <laughs> that's another debate. But don't bring in talent that's not ready. Yeah. You know, uh, okay, yeah, uh, you need to go back and work on your fundamentals, kid. We'll see you in, two year, see you in a year. You know? Yeah, and there are tons. There are tons of indie wrestlers that but, it's a shame that they never got some sort of a break to, to actually, you know, show what they can do. Yeah. Um, you know what? Now that you're talking about that, uh, there was a dude, uh, indie Jamoke, and I'm gonna use I'm gonna call him a Jamoke because he is. Uh, he got a shot to do a match on AEW's YouTube show on AEW Dark. Right. All right. And then complained about his pay. Okay. Complained about what he was paid. I don't want to go into the whole story, but dude, do you know how many indie wrestlers would kill for that opportunity or would do it for free? Mm -hmm. You know, Andy Hedder. Excellent, excellent worker. Andy actually responded to it. Oh, yes. Andy actually responded to it. And a guy with the talent of Andy Hedder should get a shot. Oh, he most certainly should. He should get a shot. You know, uh, I've seen some fantastic independent wrestlers, and I'm wondering why no one will take the chance on them. I mean, for years, the WWF was the land of giants. Yeah. If you weren't 6'5", 250 pounds, you weren't going to get a shot. Okay. And then you had guys like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, guys like that change perspectives. Okay. Good or bad, in your opinion. And I think it's a good thing that they change their perspectives. Yeah. They prove that you don't need to be the size of Sid Vicious to be a good wrestler. You know, it, it, it's two different, it's really two different ball games if you think about it. Because you're not going to see a guy that, the size of Sid Vicious doing Hurricane Ranas. No. Or 450 splashes. I mean, Sean didn't do a 450 splash. He didn't even do a very good moonsault. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there, you know. But, you know, Sean could do stuff that those guys couldn't, uh, you know, that the big guys couldn't. Yeah. And then you, you extrapolate that out further to a guy like Rey Mysterio, who's even smaller but can do more spectacular stuff. And now you've got guys the size of Shawn Michaels that can do the 450 splashes mm -hmm. and can do the shooting star presses and things like that. And except for a very, very rare, very rare occasion, you're not going to see a guy the size of the Blue Meanie doing a moonsault. No, no. And it always impresses shit on me when Meanie did it. Because <laughs> Meanie had a pretty good moonsault. Yeah, when the big guys when the big guys can do something is good, but they they all they all need to practice a lot before they get to that point. Yeah, well, I, I mean, Vader's moonsault was really good. Vader had a really good moonsault for a four hundred pound dude. Mm. But yeah. you you're never gonna see you would have never seen Yoko try to pull a moonsault. I'm just glad now with I, I'm serious that with the with the, all the different promotions getting more TV time and even internet time, as it were. I hope more of these independent guys can get a shot. Oh, I hope so, too. You know? I mean, 
if nothing else, if nothing else, just put on a you know a, you just just take over like a YouTube show and say, hey, here's an independent show we're gonna because some of them, if they just had the production, dude, they'd there, be fabulous. Dude, there's uh, there's some guys that wrestle for MLW mm-hmm. that are absolute gems. Okay, guys like Alexander Hammerstone, he's fantastic. Um, well, MLW is where. Maxwell Jacob Friedman came from mm-hmm. that wrestles for AEW. MJF is the best heel in the business. MJF is 23 years old. His tagline is, I'm better than you and you know it. <laughs> and the fucker never breaks character. Oh, yeah. That's... Okay, like, you, you, know, you know what... Uh, uh, what the hell is it called now? This thing that uh, we, they do video... Sh- celebrities do video shout outs. Cameo? Cameo, thank you. Um, can't he, you know, like a lot of the AEW wrestlers are doing cameos, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons of them. And they're moderately priced. Some guys are 20 bucks. Some guys are 50 bucks. MJF is like $300. <laughs> MJF is like 300 bucks. It's fucking great. Um, this is a guy. He did an appearance at StarCast at uh, the StarCast convention that Conrad Thompson hosts. Okay. And there were so many rules for MJF signing. <laughs> he was twice the price of anybody else. Now, whether that was a shoot or not, I'm not sure. But he was advertised at twice the price of anybody else. You were not allowed to speak to him. You were not allowed to make eye contact with him. And absolutely no handshakes and no photo ops. Jeez. AEW did a tribute show for uh, Brody Lee when he after he passed away, right? Yeah. They had Brody Lee's son... In the crowd. Um, they legitimately signed Brody Lee Jr. to a future AEW contract. The kid's eight years old. Okay. Um, they made him a part of the Dark Order. You know, gave him the mask. He's now negative one of the Dark Order. If he chooses to pursue a career in pro wrestling down the road, he's got a home in AEW as long as they're around. Mm-hmm. Which I think is super cool, and I applaud Tony Khan and AEW, the AEW management for doing that. Well, the Brody Lee tribute show was all members of the Dark Order, which was Brody's faction, right? Against are uh, teaming up with baby faces from the AEW roster to take on other heels from the AEW roster because the Dark Order were bad; they were heels. Okay. The main event of the night was, um. Cody Rhodes, Darby Allen, and number 10 from the Dark Order against uh, three guys from Chris Jericho's heel stable, the Inner Circle. Okay. Santana Ortiz and Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. They did a spot where MJF goes out of the ring, pulls the freaking mask off of, uh, off of Brody Lee Jr., Mm-hmm. Right. And puts the bad mouth on the kid. Right. So he turns back to the ring, turns back to the kid and Brody Lee Jr. Whacks him with a friggin kendo stick. It was great. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, to heal on a kid whose father just died. Dude, yeah. really? Yeah. And then he took to Twitter and put the bad mouth on the kid. <laughs> He's the best heel in wrestling. I don't care what anybody says, man. That's old school right there. That is, when you're not breaking character for anybody. Oh, 
But anyway, back to like uh like MLW. There's uh you know they've guys like Alexander Hammerstone, and then this dude named Jacob Fatu. Of the Fatu of the Samoan yeah. wrestling dynasty. There's one reason he does not have a job with WWE. He has a criminal history. Oh, well, he can't. The 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 saying around WWE offices is he can't get he can't get into Canada. Okay. Yeah. Jacob Fatu would be a star mm. on the level of Roman Reigns, a star. He's got the look. He's got the work. And if you did it right, and Jim Cornette laid this out perfectly on his podcast, um, if if you did it right, he starts off as a heel. He's a he's you know gangbanger, he, and he's gonna mess you up. He's gonna do what he wants to do, and there's nothing you could do about it. And he's got some scumbag manipulative manager by his side pulling the strings, right? And then Jacob Fatu realizes that he's being played. And that's how you turn a baby face a year down the road. Mm. Perfect. That guy should be a star. And I, I wish I wish somebody could get the financial backing that AEW... Somebody else could get the financial backing that AEW has. Or AEW can gain some traction with more of the audience than the, the audience that they already have. And they could become a viable major second promotion. Yeah. You know, and they're going to have, and I hope, I really hope for the sake of the wrestling business, they have longevity. Oh, they, yeah, as do I. I mean, I, right now, I mean, we knew that the reason that, you know, the Attitude Era and all that was so great was because the Monday Night Wars. Right. The competition, you know, made everybody kind of try to up their game. Right, because you're, you want to want, you don't want to lose. Yeah. And if you know anything about Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. Vince hates to lose. Yep. But, you know, of course, you know, there was some pretty bad decisions made on both ends. Really? Over, yeah, over time. What, really? really? A little bit here and there. Oh, speaking of bad decisions being made in the <laughs> wrestling business, guess who's challenging for the WWE Championship at this year's Royal Rumble? Uh well wait I I did see isn't that Brock Lesnar no no wait, I'm sorry Goldberg yes yes it was Goldberg versus McIntyre yes yeah uh you know I know Goldberg was like a staple of WCW and was like you know pretty much the anti NWO which I on paper sounds great you know and everything that happened with that but then then he came back and then left and he was pretty much well well. He's a name more than he is a worker. Well, no, he was never a good worker. That's the guy who retired Bret Hart. Yeah, but not, I mean, it wasn't, that was another one that's not, you know. Well, it's because he couldn't work a friggin' super kick. I know. Don't yell at me. I'm not the one that did it. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at Goldberg. I understand. Like I said, Goldberg, I know that when he came back, you know, because after the whole WCW contract ran out and he came back to WWE and was doing all that that stuff with a lot of big superstars and then just said, ah, heck with it, I'm leaving again. Well, yeah, well, that's know, because nobody wanted to work with it. It's him. like, it's you know, it's like there are guys that, I'm sorry to say this, I mean, just because someone is like a big name and is like there's that nostalgia factor doesn't make him somebody you should put your money behind. I could not agree more. I you mean, know, there are so many guys on the WWE roster that deserve the main event spot 
Yeah. Way more than Bill friggin' yeah. Goldberg. And there's also other guys, if you want that nostalgia factor, that also deserve it a lot more than uh, Goldberg. Heck, uh, I'd rather have, have Stevie. Stevie Richards? Stevie Richards. I'd rather see Stevie Richards in a main event than Goldberg. You and me both. I like Big Stevie Cool. Yeah, Stevie Richards was awesome. I enjoyed his character. I enjoyed when they did the right to censor. Oh, when he was Steven Richards. I I absolutely love that. I know that whole faction was made as a joke that wasn't meant any longe, you know, longevity? Longevity. Longe- yeah. <laughs> longevity. We'll use it. Longevity. But I know it wasn't, but I mean, it was such a great idea. Oh, well, it was to, it was to, a, to, to was have a, the wrestlers be censored by other wrestlers. It was such a fuck you to like everybody that was trying to shut the WWF yeah. up. And and I know they they just made the stable just to break it up, and that upset. That's upsetting. Yeah, you know they they could they could have ran with that. I mean that could have been like your next like NWO type thing. It's yeah. like we're taking over, and there'll be none of this. There'll be none of that. You all should be ashamed of yourselves. You know what was the most upsetting thing to me about the right to censor? Hmm. They made Ivory dress like that. That wasn't upset. That wasn't too. That wasn't. Yeah, it was. That was upsetting. No, it wasn't. That was upsetting. No, they needed to do that. They made the good father. That was upsetting too, but not. What was Bull Buchanan's right to censor name? Uh, Barry Buchanan. Okay, his, under his real name. Yeah, it was like the whole. It was. It was, and they could have just kept bringing more people into their side, taking over things. I mean, that you could have had an entire gimmick. Like they said, okay, we're gonna have a bra. Like they're gonna do a bra and panties match, and here come the right to censor with huge white sheets, and hold them up so nobody can see the match. That would have been great. <laughs> that, I mean, but that's exactly why I was pissed off that they did that to Ivory. <laughs> But but that would have been a, it's like we had this whole match that nobody gets to see, and then the match is over. You hear the you know, and then they bring the sheets to, and everybody walks away. It's like that would have been such a great match. And you know who would have been perfect to do that against? Huh. You remember the cat? Yes, Stacy oh, <laughs> Carter. <laughs> yes. You remember the pay per view when she ripped her top off? Yes. That was- <laughs> on live on live television, it was great. Yep. No filter. No, no, none. Right, what do you think King had to say about that? Because he was married to her. At yeah, the time. I think. Well, he he left after that because in protest. Well, no, they fired her. Yeah, uh, they fired her, but then he left in protest. Yeah, King King left in protest, but it was a few months after that that they fired Stacy. It wasn't for yeah, that. It was <laughs> honestly. And then she and then she divorced him. Yeah, I wasn't surprised that that it happened because. That, that there was a time when it was like just people were just going outlandish and just doing anything they could. Oh yeah, to just, of course, Sergeant Slobber was right there. What's <laughs> yeah, but Slaughter was a little. He was a, he was a second or so late on the uh, on the on the uptick yeah. of the towel. Was... Thank you for that, Slaughter. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I I, I completely remember because it was like the jaw dropping moment. Yeah, you know, and only the second, t- well, no, third time that's happened on on TV. Jacqueline had her top ripped off by accident. Yeah, because uh, I think it was some sort of uh, electric chair drop, and her and her top flew open. Yep. Oops. And then when DX got the women to flash to in the flash. crowd. Yeah. And the cameraman. Oh, I'm just gonna. Oh, she won't do it. Oh, she did. 
Camera three on a camera three on a uh, pan the crowd pan the crowd <laughs> camera three off the ground off the ground. <laughs> yeah, you can you can picture the yelling on that one. Oh, Kevin Dunn was going nuts. <laughs> Kevin Dunn was going nuts, and you know you know what Vince was doing, hmm. laughing his ass off. Yep. <laughs> Good <laughs> shit, pal. <laughs> yeah, it's it. Uh, yeah, that was like not many times stuff like that. But the but the cat was an unscripted. Yeah, to the point where it's like. Only the cat knew that that was going to happen. Yep. Hey, you know what? Since we're, we've gone down a wrestling rabbit hole, I want to get your opinion on something. Hmm. Um, you know who Bruce Pritchard is, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for those that don't know, and for those in the 462 that uh, still believe in kayfabe, <laughs> uh, that, that still believe in kayfabe, um, Bruce Pritchard is the executive director of Raw and SmackDown. Okay. He's the guy that's in charge of the the main roster TV shows in real life, not in storyline. He was on a WWE an official WWE podcast. Uh the not Sam, the not uh, not Sam podcast by that Sam Roberts does for them. Mm-hmm. And I want your take on this. Bruce Pritchard said uh, cuz he was asked about the the declining ratings and the fact that people are complaining about storylines and this and that. Bruce Pritchard said the reason that fans don't like the storylines is they just don't understand it. Hmm. What's your take on that? Well, you know, here's the thing about the storylines is is this. There's always a bigger picture. They they always I think in their heads they think it's better than what it is. You know? I mean, you'll you know, you'll have a storyline, there's this person against this person. Okay, we're gonna do this match, this match, this match, and we have you have to have some sort of a you know, a crescendo and then the big match and then we're we're done with the storyline. But they sometimes I think with you know, the limited stuff they have going on now, I don't think they know how to tell a good story from their heads. They don't. Um and and part of that goes to the fact that they don't let anything develop. No, no, definitely not. And that's like I said, that's not the fans' problem. But also, there's things that happen behind the scenes. It's like, okay, you've done this big build up to this person. Oh, they hurt their foot. Now we can't use them anymore. Right. I think a big problem with a lot of the the storylines is there's never good contingency plans. But that's not something new. No, because but- that's and that's why. Uh, Rikishi ran over Stone Cold. I did it for the Rock. Yeah, because somebody else was supposed to do that. Yeah, and they had to leave. Yeah. Um. I mean, my opinion on it, and in the interest of full disclosure, I am not a fan of Bruce Prichard at all, at all. I think he's a sycophant. He's nothing more than a glad-handing yes man for Vince McMahon. The only reason he still has a job is because he kisses Vince's ass mm. more than anybody else. Stephanie, if uh, let make no mistake, when Vince dies, Bruce will be fired the next day. Mm. Uh, Hunter and Stephanie will fire him immediately. Hunter hates him. Triple H hates him. Stephanie has fired him twice already. Mm. But my in my opinion, I think that is the height of arrogance from Bruce Pritchard to say that about 
your fans. You don't. Oh, oh, it it it's above you. It's it's above your your level of thinking. No, that's it. It should never. It should never be that way. I mean, like I said, these are the same people, kind of people that write you read a story, and you're introducing characters at the end that had nothing to do with it the whole time. Or you're throwing in elements and red herrings that mean nothing. It's bad writing is what it is. It's flat out bad writing. It is. And you can't blame the people that are watching this for what you did. No. And and it's never it's never creative's fault. No. Well, and here's here. Herein lies the problem in once again, one man's opinion and take it for what it's worth. I've never been in the business I've never been in the business, but I've been a fan for 40 years, mm-hmm. okay? I started re- watching wrestling with my grandmother when I was five or six years old, okay? You know, so 40 years of watching this and 30-plus years of watching this shit obsessively, okay? Obsessively. And you can attest to this as long as you've known me. Oh, yeah. Okay? I... D- the the storylines now are are nonsensical and the reason they're nonsensical is you don't have wrestling people writing the storylines mm-hmm. you have people oh this guy this guy wrote for duckman oh this guy wrote for uh aqua teen hunger force for three episodes let's bring him in has he ever been is he my first question if i were well, and you can't really even use Vince McMahon as a as an example of this because Vince isn't a wrestling fan. Vince is a WWF fan mm-hmm. or WWE fan, whatever. But if I were a Triple H, who's the heir apparent, and a lifelong wrestling fan and a true student of the business and of the game of of the game of wrestling, Triple H is what Vince should should be. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first question I would ask. If I were Triple H, you a wrestling fan? What's your favorite match? Yeah. You know, oh, I've no, I've never really been a fan. Next. Exactly. Uh, what's your favorite match? Uh, mm-hmm. Trish Stratus versus or whatever. What the the girls <laughs> match that was mentioned on Tough Enough? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Next. You know, and that's not a knock on a girls match. No. If if you throw a girls match out there, like even recently, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Yeah. Great match. Okay, cool. Even if you throw a modern match out there and say it's your favorite match, as long as it's something that a wrestling, someone that knows something about wrestling would say is a good match. Yeah. I'll give you a little credibility. But if you're going to come out and tell me Oh, I'm not a wrestling fan. I'm not going to hire you to work for my wrestling company. Exactly. And that's that's where that's where it's gone wrong. Yeah, you know? the, the geeks on the internet wrote better storylines for crying out loud. I be, the geeks on the internet could write better storylines. You know? I I I could write better storylines. I said that the geeks on the internet. You <laughs> you had to know that was coming. I you did. had to know. I did. Touche. <laughs> Touche. No, I, I, I can. That's what I said. Some of these ones are like, like I said, Goldberg out of the blue, McIntyre. Come on. Yeah. No build up. Yeah. Come on. Let's no. Yeah. I mean, and now they're uh, 
on on the SmackDown end of things, where Roman Reigns is the champ, the current announced Universal Championship match for the Royal Rumble is Roman Reigns versus Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce is a backstage producer for WWE. Okay. Okay. He's a former wrestler. He's a former NWA world champion, Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. Yeah. Wait, is that that bald guy? Yes. Okay, I know who you mean. Okay. Adam Adam Pierce. Fantastic worker, but he hasn't worked a match in six years or seven years. 2014 was his last match. Mm. He's been working backstage for WWE since 2015. Mm. Okay. Um, he was a trainer at NXT, backstage producer. Now he's an on-air as well as his backstage duties, he's the on-air authority, uh, WWE official, mm-hmm. okay? And because of some shenanigans on last week's SmackDown, which I haven't watched yet, Adam Pierce is fa- supposed to face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble. Oh, I wonder how that's going to go. Oh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Something's going to happen where it's going to be Kevin Owens Ugh. against... Against uh, Roman. And everything that's going on the past year, do they have a roster big enough that they can really support two shows effectively? Or no? They support three effectively. Okay. Well, I know NXT is pretty much the uh, development kind of stuff. Well, they but they, see now, now, NXT has changed. They still have the developmental program, but they're not on the network anymore. The NXT TV show is on USA Network. Okay. Okay. So... You've got, um, think of it as a beginner's class and an advanced class. Mm-hmm. You've got the beginner's class that they they don't get shown on TV unless they're extras in the crowd or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you have the advanced guys and girls that are on TV. The guys like Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Damian Priest, uh, you know, guys like that. Um, right. they, you have guys like that. Yet they're still building. They're still building talent, um, but they have enough to have three rosters. Okay, because I like I said, I I always hear the same names when you hear SmackDown and Raw. Well, that and I know, and I know that like the whole reason SmackDown really got birthed is because Raw was so bloated. Yeah, that they needed that second show. Yes, they did, and at that time. Sometimes you would have, it wasn't, it was like, you know, things would start on Raw and on SmackDown. Right. You know, and it was like a very big back, and then they became two separate shows, but now, like I said, I just keep hearing the same names over and over and over again. It's like, there's not a lot of, I won't want to say bloat, but there's, it doesn't sound like there's a thick roster on each side to do a lot of great storylines. They, they have the rosters to do storylines with a lot of different people mm-hmm. if they would take the time to build yeah. some of the mid-card guys up the ladder and uh like right now on raw there's a, a faction called the hurt business mm-hmm. love the hurt business it's mvp as kind of like the mouthpiece manager in tights he still works a match occasionally but more often than not mvp is their manager Okay, and then you have Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander. Great faction, and you both you they, 
you know, they, they kind of do like a horseman type thing. They all come out in suits. Mm-hmm. They look like badasses. They they carry themselves like badasses. And I don't know so much about Cedric, but MVP uh, just got his purple or got his uh, either purple or brown belt in jujitsu okay. and won a world championship in jujitsu. So MVP is legit. M- MVP can mess you up. Bobby Lashley is a, phen- a phenomenal amateur wrestler, decorated MMA fighter. Uh, you know, I think he's undefeated in in professional MMA. Um, Bobby Lashley will mess you up. Shelton Benjamin is one of the baddest dudes in the WWE locker room. Former college re- college teammate of Brock Lesnar, and later a coach of Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Um, Shelton's a bad dude. Uh, well, you've got them. Uh, Bobby Lashley is the current U.S. champion, so he's the, he's holding the secondary title. And they're doing a thing right now with my friend, Matt Riddle. Mm. Okay? Where Riddle has been going at the going after the Hurt Business, and he's going after Lashley's U.S. title. If you do this right, if you do this right, it's the Royal Rumble, okay? Mm-hmm. In the undercard of the show, you have Matt Riddle beat Lashley for the U.S. title. And you can even have Lashley slip on a, slip on a banana peel and lose that way, right? It doesn't have to be a dominant, clean win for Riddle. And I'm not saying this because Matt's my friend. Have Riddle go over for the U.S. title, right? Mm-hmm. Lashley says, all right, I'm entering, or or even before that, Lashley enters himself in the Royal Rumble. Lashley doesn't necessarily win the Royal Rumble. He doesn't have to win it, but he has to have a good showing. Yeah. He's got to have a bunch of eliminations, be in the final five or six guys, and, you know, just get eliminated after that. Now... You go past WrestleMania because they've already got their plans in yeah. place for WrestleMania. All right, you go past WrestleMania. The first pay-per-view after WrestleMania, whoever the WWF champion is, Bobby Lashley comes out and beats the snot out of him. Now, you've effectively, in the course of three months, you've elevated middle, you've elevated Riddle to the upper, upper mid-card. Mm-hmm. And you've jumped Bobby Lashley up to the main event. Or in the main event picture. You know, to the top of the card picture. That's how you build people. And they're not doing that. They're, they keep jackrabbiting back and forth between the same guys at the top of the card. You know what I'd like to see him do at Riddle? What? <laughs> Maybe do a storyline with him. Okay. okay. Where they try to make him, quote unquote, a normal wrestler. Okay. Put the boots on him. Make him wear the knee pads. God, because yeah. he he's almost looks naked when he's wrestling. Well, and and you know, no, no. Like I said, you got to think of the full story. Like yeah, I said, okay. You start, you know, and he, you know, make him like you know a actual wrestler, right? And then you have him just winning just all the matches he can because now he fits the mold, you know. And then just at the end of that. Go back to being just a regular Matt Riddle. 
I don't know. <laughs> See, because I because <laughs> knowing what I know about Matt, I know, I know. Knowing what I know about Matt, he doesn't wear shoes. I know he's gonna take an eye out with him flip flops. He doesn't wear <laughs> shoes. That, that's a shoot. I know, but like I said, I I whenever I see him wrestle, and I got I and I have much respect for Matt, and I've we saw him down in the infamous Virginia trip. Oh God, uh, or Baltimore rather. Yeah, well, it was down there somewhere. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, it was. I saw him there, and I enjoyed what he did. I enjoyed him on a personal level. You know, I had no, you know, it's like I said, I don't not like Matt Riddle. But, man, when I see him wrestle and he looks naked, <laughs> it's just it's just so jarring. He's got them little booty shorts on. Yeah, I mean, it's like he he, he decides, listen, my gimmick is going to be I wear the least amount of clothes legally possible. Well, at the, I mean, those are the same style shorts he wore in the UFC, though. As I, yeah, I know. But, I mean, like I said, I mean, I could just, I mean, it's just like I said, when you see other wrestlers out there and they have, like, you know, the fully taped up arm, the boots, the the you know the singlet or whatever, and Matt just comes out wearing a speedo. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's jarring. <laughs> and like I said, I don't mind the guy. I really don't. I mean, there's almost this part of me that thinks like you know if he's giving someone an elbow, that's gotta hurt because oh. because other people got padding on the elbows. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you you doing a foot stomp? Have a shoe on, man. Can't. <laughs> See, but the, like the cool, uh, I, I, the kind of cool thing is like with Riddle not wearing shoes. Yeah, there's been guys that have done like the foot stomp on him. Yeah, you know, I'll teach you, son of a bitch, and then boom on his yeah. foot. You know, uh, but I, I don't know. I like I said, I think that's how that's a that's something that's been lost on WWE is how to build guys. Yeah, like I said, it's not it's nothing. I like I said. I think that um, oh, what's he called? The Cheetah Master. What the Jungle Master? There's a. It's an A W. The Jurassic. Oh, the Jurassic Express. Yeah, there's one guy in there. He was Cheetah Boy or something like that. Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy. Jack Perry. Yeah, same thing. He has the same. Yeah, he doesn't wear much clothes. Yeah, but he wears boots. Yeah, but still, <laughs> it's like, he wears a, he wears traditional wrestling tights. I I know. Like I said, I I just. And I and I have nothing again. I don't watch it as much. My son watches the most of it, and I watch it like out of the corner of my eye sometimes. Yeah. And I hear things going on. I see things. That's how I knew Goldberg. And I was like, Oh God! But I was like, I actually rolled my eyes. I was like, I don't watch this. It's like I don't even want to see that. Well, since we record on Mondays, I don't watch Raw live. Yeah. Right? I mean, I I you and, know I just want to see him get a um a claymore. Well, I I said <laughs> I said to Missy. Uh, when I saw that Goldberg was back, I said to Missy, you know how I would book this match? I would have Goldberg spearing Jackhammer Drew McIntyre right off the bat. McIntyre kicks out, gets his comeback, one fucking Claymore kick, one, two, three, done. Uh, I don't know. I mean, having a short match like that, that's almost an insult in itself, too. Goldberg can't have a long match. You know, I would love to see that. I would love to have the build up with this. He's match. shot after three minutes, right? But and that's the thing. That's what they should like. You know, like the build up of the match should be that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like calling him old man. His time has passed. All this other. I know that Drew's the face, so it doesn't make sense. Yeah, sadly, 
But it, that's like I said. So then it's like, how we're gonna have a match with a five minute time limit? Yeah, make the match make already make the match so short by legal standards that Drew McIntyre can beat him in five minutes, and that way the expectations are not there that we're gonna have a twenty minute match. Yeah, that would be more fun to have Drew say that to to Goldberg. We're only gonna have a five minute match. That's the end. Of I it. can beat you in five minutes, old yep, man. Exactly. Oh, I, yeah, old man. <laughs> See now, it, that would all be well and good if they would have actually taken the time to build it. Yeah, they have to. N- yeah, not just, bring him out two weeks before the event. Yeah, it's like whatever happened to number one contenders? Hey guys, I be- I went up through the ranks. Yeah, you know, I have a legends contract. I can just come in and, and no, you can't get out. Yeah, thank you. Or the best thing is, like another great thing to do, you get the other great quitter of the WWF E, WWF E, and you say, you know, Goldberg gets jumped before he gets to the ring by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> Brock walked away a uh, couple times. Uh, well, Brock. Well, the thing Brock walked away the first time, um, and I, I'm not, I, I I'm not the biggest Brock fan. But he walked away the first time because that life is not for him. No. At the time, at, at the schedule that WWE ran at the time is not for him. He's not a people person. That's legitimate. He is a miserable son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't like to travel. He bought his private plane before he left the first time because he's not a people person. Okay, mm-hmm. and then he could travel on his own terms, and then he decided, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm going to try something else. He tried pro football, made it to the final cut in training camp of the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Hadn't played organized football since he was in grade school. Mm-hmm. Made it to the final cuts with the Vikings. It tells you what kind of athlete this dude is. He says, "Yeah, all right." New Japan's throwing a bunch of money at me. I'm going to go over and wrestle a couple of shots for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Did that, made a boatload of money. Comes back, he says, you know what? I think I want to try this MMA thing. Has a couple of professional fights get signed by the UFC. Fights. His first fight in the UFC loses uh, to Frank Mir. Gets caught in a heel hook, taps out. His second fight, he beats the living snot out of a dude named Heath Herring. His third fight, he fights an admittedly past his prime and way outweighed and way outsized Randy Couture. Mm -hmm. Okay, Randy Couture should have been fighting at light heavyweight, but he was the UFC heavyweight champion. Okay, Brock beats him. Okay, Brock goes on to be a dominant UFC heavyweight champion. Okay, partly because of his his strength, Mm -hmm. partly because of his wrestling ability and partly because the UFC heavyweight division at the time was not uh, what it is now. Brock, make no mistake about it. I think right now Brock would get his ass handed to him in the UFC. Mm. But Vince throws a boatload of money at him and says, hey, you could do this part time. We're going to do. What we're gonna make you the WWF champ or WWE champion, 
But the WWE champion is going to become, once again, what it used to be, an attraction. You remember when we were kids, how often did you see Hulk Hogan wrestle on TV? Was it all the time? I felt like it was all the time. Not when we were kids. I swear I swear it was all the time, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. No. Going back to going back to even like you never saw the WWF title defended on TV up until the Monday Night Wars, except for Saturday yeah, night's think, main yeah, event. Yeah, come to think you you're right. The WWF champion was a special attraction. Mm-hmm. Okay? It was a special event when you got to see him. And that's what they did with Brock. And that's what, in some ways, I think that's what the WWF champion should be in a perfect world and in a world where we have live events again. Yeah. Okay. I I don't, have him come out and cut a promo, but he shouldn't be wrestling on TV every week. That's the champion. That should be a special attraction. Mm -hmm. I don't fault Brock. I don't fault Brock for taking a boatload of Vince's money to work a part-time gig. Call him a quitter all you want. I yeah, Brock's just a smart businessman. I always think that, like, and I, I, I'll say about a couple that, that, you know, they have, you know, they had really good runs, and then they decide one day that they don't want to do it anymore, and then they just, you know, I think that, I think that they should always be given a good out. Yeah. You know, don't just one day you're gone. Right. You know, just like have a have a good out. Shawn yeah. Michaels had a good out. Ric Flair had a good out. Yeah. CM Punk did not. Well, and like I said, I understand this politics behind everything. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. But at least give some give, give your champions, give your guys that are out there doing that. Give them a good out. Don't just walk off and leave. Well, one of the greatest things that CM Punk ever said or did was when uh, he walked, uh, uh, pretty much right before he walked away. Um, Triple H, uh, they wanted to do a match between Punk and Triple H at WrestleMania, Mm -hmm. right? And Triple H, you know, being Triple H says, well, you'll get your WrestleMania main event. And Punk says, no. And understand something, Paul. You need to work with me. I don't need to work with you. Mm. Because Punk at that time was the tippy top guy. Yep. Much to the chagrin of Vince and and Triple H. And he got over the right way. He got over organically. Mm -hmm. Listen, I... I, uh, there, There was a point when... Around when Punk was, I think... Leaving was might have been where I was like kind of like getting out of it. Yeah. Only because at that point the programming was there was no competitions. No. The programming was half hour promos in the beginning of the show. Yeah. A four minute match, half hour more promos, more commercials, and it just became so this two hour, two and a half hour show, I'm seeing two matches. And yeah. it was like I got better things to do. It's not even entertaining anymore. Well, that started back in that started back in the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, but the half hour promos though. Well, well, oh my god, dude! I I distinctly remember an episode of Nitro. The first hour, mm-hmm. there was nothing in the ring. 
Yeah. For an hour mm. on a three-hour program. On a three-hour wrestling program. And there was no wrestling. And I will say some of my favorite, and I'm going to call them screw-ups because they were, when the sound guy screwed up his cue to play the right music. Yeah. When you'd hear this, like, you know, you know, and no one's going to beat me in the ring. Five, four, three, two. Smash! It's like, man, you were way off on that cue. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like there was too much dead air. Yeah. Yeah. You And, and you know somebody was freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Push the button! I am pushing the button! You're doing it wrong! <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I've seen that. I mean, I've seen that so many times where you know when the person's. And then there's the flip side of that. Jericho was. It always seemed to happen to Jericho, which I swear to God always made it seem like either. I think Jericho was more filling time because the cue was missed. Jericho would continue to talk. And then the middle of him talking, the music would hit. Yeah. You know. And I think that was more Jericho was like, oh, they screwed up. I have to fill space. But it always seemed like they were treading on Jericho. Yeah, well, a lot of that happened. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a, a, a fa- another famous Vince McMahon quote. Uh, the night that Jericho won the, won the Undisputed Championship. Ah, yes. The night he beat The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night. Yep. Okay. Um, and this is how Jericho found out he was going over that night. He's walking through the backstage area. He sees Vince and The Undertaker standing there, right? And Vince says, hey, Taker, you know how you know the wrestling business is in the shitter? We're putting the fucking belt on Jericho. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how Chris Jericho found out he was going to be the first undisputed. (laughs) (laughs) He deserves it. I always enjoyed Jericho. I'm a a Jericho-holic. Yeah, I mean, and Jericho has reinvented himself so many wonderful times. Yes. And done it so well. I I have always, and I hate the fact, I still don't like the fact, his debut, The Rock pulled that, yet it doesn't matter on him then. Yeah. Yeah, I can can get behind that. Yeah, because it was such a a great buildup. Here he comes out. The music was, I mean, he always had the best intros, the best music, and and great matches. Oh, yeah. Jericho is a, Jericho is a top 10 all-time yeah. performer in my book. Jericho is great. Um, I mean, there are those that say he's tarnishing his legacy with what he's doing now in AEW because uh, Chris Jericho is 50 years old, mm-hmm. okay? He doesn't look like a 30-year-old Chris Jericho anymore. No. He's got, I mean, the 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 big thing a few weeks ago, there was a bunch of NBA players Took to Twitter because the NBA season started back up again. And TNT, which is the home of AEW Dynamite, is also the home of a lot of NBA basketball games. Bunch of NBA players jumped on Twitter and were ripping Chris Jericho because he's because he doesn't look like he did. Okay. Yeah. Because oh, Chris Jericho got fat. Oh, what is this bootleg wrestling? Uh bootleg WWE shit. You know, ripping on AEW and ripping on Jericho. Yeah, okay, Jericho may not be the 30-year-old Chris Jericho, 
but he's still Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. You know, the dude is a certified legend. And you are 100% correct. He has reinvented himself so many times. And he's one of the few dudes that you'll ever see in the wrestling business that can play a baby face and do it well. Mm-hmm. Okay? Play a chicken shit heel and do it well. And play a smarmy I'm better than you heel and do it well. Oh, yeah. It, it, exceptionally well. Jericho is top 10 all time in my book. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think he's tarnished his legacy really with what he's doing in AEW. Could he be used better? Yes. But it could be a lot worse. And if if anything, they should be like, I, I'm hoping, I hope the young guys on the AEW roster are taking the time to pick Chris Jericho's brain and learn about the business. Oh, yeah. Because really... In that company, who has seen more than Chris Jericho? Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, from what I know, I know he started in WCW. Well, earlier than that. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. obviously earlier than that, but I first saw him in WCW. Yeah. Where I thought he did a great job. And when he came to, when that Y2J, oh, was on board with that heavily. Oh, yeah. And I loved it. Well, I mean, WCW misused him. Yeah. and I Horribly. And, and I loved all the stuff that he did going through. Oh, yeah. And... You know, and then of course with the list, that's that's just hilarious. That was that was that was funny as hell. You know, and even Le Champion. Yep, genius. The yep. stuff and all the stuff in between there. And now now he's uh, the demo god. Yeah, he was uh, also one of the few people that got to make fun of Stephanie McMahon. Oh yeah, few people. <laughs> Ex- oh, ye- you know, very few. Which I know that from a backstage thing. I know that Stephanie was was very upset in real life and a lot of tears over kind of what was always being said. But, strangely enough, never stopped him. No, she never did. You know. And and because this is why Stephanie is, you know, like kind of overshine, uh, outshine Shane. Stephanie is more Vince mm. and Shane is more Linda. Mm. Stephanie... They, they 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 call her the Vincess, not the princess, <laughs> the Vincess. She is her father's daughter through and through. Mm. It, it's business, and she gets that. Mm. And you know what? People fucking bought what Jericho was saying about her. They 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 loved it. Dirty, disgusting, bottom feeding, trash bag <laughs> hoe. When you have people chanting that along oh. with him, you know. And Stephanie knew. Okay, this is gold. All right, <laughs> I am surprised. I'm speaking of Stephanie that she didn't take the 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 Dusty Rhodes uh, talk to the hand better. Oh, <laughs> oh, I mean, and you know what? Give give Dusty props for knowing right where that camera was. Oh yeah. Oh, you you you, you ain't gonna get nothing on a TV shoot past yeah. Dusty, baby. And then and then of course. You know, uh, Triple H, you cross the line, oh man. He's like, oh, I cross the line, and that that whole thing. Oh, but the real life ramifications that that had, yeah, was that, crazy. That got Dusty in a lot of deep shit. Yeah, but but it's like it was wonderful TV. Well, it, uh, dude, we're over an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's let we'll kind of close out on this. All right. Uh, we'll kind of tie Vince and Stephanie together in this one. You remember when they did the 
the invasion angle with WC with the Alliance. Yeah. You remember the the vicious promo that Paul Heyman cut on Vince. Oh yeah. Vince Vince's direction to Paul as Heyman's told the story. Paul says they're on Vince's plane. Paul says, "Vince, how far do you want me to go with this?" Uh you know, you know, what's off limits? Go out there and make me some money. How deep do you want me to go? As deep as you want. Just make me money. And what did Heyman do? He shot on Vince Mm -hmm. about you put me out of business. You took my ideas. You stole from me. You stole from you put every promoter out of business. You put Vern out of Vern Gagne out of business. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Great promo. And it was all off the cuff. It wasn't nobody handed that to Paul. Mm. Nobody handed that to Paul. Vince didn't know what the hell Paul was going to say. All Vince said was, go make me money. Mm -hmm. And Vince knew that that promo would sell pay-per-views. Because people wanted to see either the Alliance get their ass kicked or Vince get his ass kicked. Yeah, that whole that whole thing was pretty much in how. It pretty much was like how the how everything was born. Yeah. You know, and when it went from territories to I'm taking over. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, oh god, now this is another fucking rabbit hole. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um the thing with ter- with the territories. The territories were the way to were the way the wrestling had to be. Yeah. Back then because you didn't have national cable overlay. Yeah. And you didn't have satellite TV and you didn't have 300 channels. Mm-hmm. Okay? You had these small local broadcast cable companies. Okay? And you had your studio wrestling show from your local territory. Shit, the WWF for years taped where? New York? No. Or they were they Connecticut? No. The Allentown Fairgrounds. Okay. Well, they taped, I, I, I know they were... I, well, they taped at Ag Hall. Did they? They, ta- they did TV tapings at Ag Hall. Mm. The main places for T- WWF TV back in the day were Ag Hall in Allentown and the Hamburg Fieldhouse. Okay. But at the time, the WWF only ran from Connecticut down to Washington, D.C. And then Junior took over. Mm-hmm. And he started buying everybody up, and then with the advent of cable TV, yeah, he had a built-in market. Oh yeah, and what he did was very smart. Hell, you're paying Jerry Jarrett to have this show on here. Well, actually, Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett's a bad, bad example because Memphis lasted longer than just about any of the other territories. Um, let's use. Eddie Graham down in Florida. Oh, you've got Eddie Graham's wrestling on down here, and you're paying Eddie Graham X amount of dollars a week to provide this. I'll pay you X amount of dollars for that time slot. What's the What's the TV station going to do? Yeah. Yes. Sure, Vince. We'll take your money. And then he goes in and he handpicks, he cherry picks the best talent out of each place. And nobody was a bigger victim of that than Vern Gagne. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Adrian Adonis, Bobby Heenan, Gene Okerlund. All came from Vern. Mm-hmm. And all around the same time. Uh, Dr. D. David Schultz was there, too. 
you know. Uh, but, you know, and that's where... I mean, the wrestling business would have gone that way anyway with with national cable. Eventually at some point, but there had there had to be a person to pull it all together. That's just the way it is. Right. But everybody else was st- everybody else was you still know. old was still yep. old school. Microsoft was built on all these small companies. Yep. You know. That's that's the way it it's the business has kind of had to go at the time. Yeah. I uh, don't know about the Allentown thing though cuz I know I saw WWF at Lehigh in high school one day. They used to be um, at the they used to come to the Pomerton Festival. Yeah. I mean, I I have seen the, you know, <laughs> the Tonga kid. I remember seeing him. Yep, I, I uh, when I was a kid, the WWF used to do shows mm. at the because uh, there used to be an advertisement on WWF TV fundraising. Mm. Have have to have World Wrestling Federation wrestling at your fundraising event, mm. and there was a, a phone number there, and. Like I said, they did most of their TV tapings. That's why the Samoans headquartered or, uh, and, and lived in Allentown. Yeah. The Samoans lived in, in the valley. Mm-hmm. Rocky Johnson lived in the valley. The Samoans built their first school in the valley because the WWF used to do their TV tapings. But Captain Lou actually lived there, too. Yep. Captain Lou we lived met, in we the met, valley. We met Captain Lou at the Whitehall Mall one day. <laughs> yep. And we just... Sat there talking about wrestling for a while, and then he and the last thing he said to you was "God bless you," right? Yeah, he was such a great guy. Captain Lou is uh, Captain Lou was a was a wonderful human being. Yes, he was, and of course we had to talk about the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. We couldn't we couldn't let it go by without. I mean, we were just having a great conversation. Yep, and and then we found you know oh yeah we're the Samoans Alpha and Fat um, Alpha Sika. And Sika. Sika. You know where they were wrestling at? Um, oh, it's called the Lantern Inn. I the the Quality Inn. The Quality Inn. It was yeah. It was right off of three hundred nine. Yep. Yep. That's where they were wrestling at. Uh, and they had they had the school right off of Fourth Street. Mm-hmm. Wild Samoans Training Center. I put phone lines in there. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, I mean the 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 pro wrestling history in Lehigh Valley is actually pretty rich. Yep. It, uh, then why aren't there more Amish wrestlers? Hey, we need more lessons from the Lehigh Valley to wrestling. What? Well, we had roadkill. <laughs> we need more. I'm telling you, the Amish Wrestling Federation. Let's do this. <laughs> the Mennonite. Ooh, and the Mennonites could be the heels. <laughs> the, the big heel faction will be actually, the Mennonites. Actually, in a couple, one of the indie promotions, um, the one guy that I knew was a Mennonite. Really? Yes. And of course. You know, yeah, well, you're wrestling. How does that work? He's like, well, I'm not Amish. I'm, okay, well, that that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's like, it's, <laughs> was his gimmick a Mennonite? No, he was a cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. He, yeah, they just, it was offhanded. Oh, he's a Mennonite. Oh, I thought they were that close to Amish. And it's like, you know, and, like, and he kind of schooled me on the difference between Mennonite and Amish. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay then. That's, uh. <laughs> And then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where Roadkill was a cab driver and his gimmick was he was Mennonite. Hmm. hmm. I don't know if Roadkill was a cab driver. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think we've gone far enough on this. Yeah, yeah. Hey, not bad for, uh, like, no prep. Nope. Our, not, our not, initial, not a single piece of prep. Our, our initial idea getting blown out of the water 10 minutes in. Yep. Thank you for your shit computer. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> Next time we'll run it off my iPhone. We'll probably have a better result. We probably would. We probably <laughs> would. Uh, but we wouldn't have the decent-sized screen. 
Also from me, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, now we just got to get something to work the on. The most interesting things fall off of trucks. Yeah, isn't that amazing <laughs> how that happens? All right. So uh, I apologize for not being able to cover the 1992 Royal Rumble. Um, next week, we're going to try, emphasize try, <laughs> the 1998 Royal Rumble. And the significance of that is that is the beginning of the Austin era. Okay. Spoilers, man. It's the beginning of the Austin era. <laughs> so we're going to try the watch along thing again next week. If not, I promise if we don't get the wrestling thing to work next week, we will not talk wrestling. We'll find something else off the top of our heads to talk about because I don't want to do two weeks of the same thing. Star Trek. We could do that. I was really expecting you not to agree to that. We could do that. <laughs> we could do that. But next week, I may disagree if we can't get this to work. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Now that now that you're thinking about now that I'm thinking I of, am going to make a I'm going to get a bucket. I'm going to put a bunch of topics in it, and we'll pull one, and we'll just pull a topic, and that is what it's going to be, whether you like it or not. Okay. And I think you should probably write down a few topics as well. All that right. way, it's not all one sided. Yeah, because yours will all be dumb. Yo, now, yeah, you know, I know you shot down a few of my, you know. Things, but you got to admit, food and drink, excellent. That was. That um, was good. All my other ideas, brilliant. No. Yes. No. <laughs> We're an hour and 45 deep. Let's uh, let's all wrap right. this up. All right. I, we said that 15 minutes ago. Yeah, but you have to keep going. Shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> all right. Uh, until next time, this has been Oh No, Not Them. I'm Eric. And I'm Bill. I'll see you later. Bye.